are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Big Ten. Everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single weekday. Happy Wednesday to you. Asher Lowe is in with us here on the program to talk about everything going on in the Big Ten. On today's show, it's a big football week, of course, but we're going to take a break for a day. We're going to talk to Asher here off the top a little bit about what's going on with the Badgers and everything else in the Big Ten. But right now, we're going to talk basketball schedules. The Big Ten released the TV schedule for Big Ten games this season which gives us an excuse to talk about some of our favorite matchups as we do get at least a little bit of a clearer picture as to what the Big Ten basketball schedule is going to look like. But as I said, Asher, we're going to start football, and I thank you for coming on here to talk with us after what's uh, been another tough weekend of Wisconsin football for you guys to watch. I mean, I feel like I've talked a lot about already about what I think about what the Badgers have done this season. I'll let you just kind of have an open reign and go in where you like what's been going on with this team that's kept it from being what people thought it was in the preseason. Uh, the offensive line has been the worst it's been since I've been at Wisconsin, and it's not even close. The offensive line is actually probably where I'd start because even with Mertz being – as poor as he's been through a few games, I think Wisconsin wins the Penn State game with an offensive line that's going, even with the way Mertz played, I really do. Uh, I think that Wisconsin lost the Notre Dame game because of Mertz, and then Wisconsin absolutely lost the Michigan game because of the offensive line, and then Mertz's injury. Uh, he finally found it, which is kind of the, the saddest part. He finally found it at the end of that first half. He made the two best throws of his career back-to-back to to score a touchdown in 45 seconds, marching 80 yards. Not something you thought he was capable of, really, for the first of the the third quarter. Comes out and takes a really hard hit to the chest, was taken to the hospital, looks to be okay, and is probably going to play against Illinois. This is questionable right now, but all the indications I have from the presser and what he was saying, what Paul Christ was saying, are that he's going to play against Illinois. But the issues to me start with the offensive line. uh, And because they've rotated so many positions in that line and they've never found that consistent group, I think that's what kind of hindered them from being the consistent great unit we always see from Wisconsin football or that outside fans expect to see when they're playing Wisconsin football or watching Wisconsin football. They don't know who's starting at what position. They had their center, Joe Tittman, get poked in the eye against Michigan before the game started. And so he didn't play. Uh, I mean, it's been that kind of year, right? And then, mm-hmm. of course, you have a quarterback struggling the way Mertz was until that second quarter against Michigan, where he all of a sudden looked like a four-star recruit, like the highest-rated recruit in Wisconsin football history at that position. And then, of course, he gets injured, uh, as did Jake Ferguson. I think Wisconsin absolutely wins that game if, if Mertz and Ferguson don't get injured. I really do. Everything was trending in their direction after halftime. Everything was going momentum-wise in Wisconsin's favor. And, well, then again, what got Mertz hurt in that third quarter at the beginning of the game? It was a free run on the quarterback because the offensive line missed an assignment. So I think it starts there. It's been the O-line. It's been the quarterback. And the defense is once again 
tried to bail Wisconsin out, but a defense can only do so much. I think I asked a question on Monday. Like right now, Wisconsin doesn't c- control its own fate in the Big Ten. It can f- pretty easily. We'll get to that in a second. But right now, the Badgers have that kind of role, at least with what they've shown on the field as, okay, maybe they're not a contender, but in the Big Ten, obviously, can still be a team that obviously plays spoiler to any team on any given weekend. But the question I asked was, what Wisconsin has shown on the field so far, that team isn't even ready to do anything close to that yet. I, I mean, do you feel like the Badgers can improve as much as they need to to be able to either, A, play itself back into Big Ten contention if the games end up working out in a way that they can, or B, just be competitive against the Big Ten's best teams? Because honestly, so far, the Badgers haven't shown any sign of being able to do that on any one given Sunday. Nevertheless, consistently throughout the season. Well, they've been competitive. I mean, they they should have beaten Penn State. They had the ball at the one-yard line and probably should have won that game. Notre Dame game, the score is obviously not what the game was. Uh, as you know, and as fans know that watch that game. But, and, but in neither of those games, you're right, but neither of those games, I, I don't think, just to butt in real quick in the middle of your argument, I don't think you'd argue that Wisconsin played well enough to beat, I think, like if an Iowa or a Penn State if they're playing like the football that maybe Penn State wanted to play more. And I mean, of course, you argue Wisconsin's defense is a big contributor there, but it's just I, I don't think you're arguing that Wisconsin's playing well enough to consistently win, even when it's competing with that, even though it, it seems like it's kind of like saying contradicting itself there. They're not. They've been they've been atrocious on the offensive side of the football, yet they still could have won. I mean, they had a fourth quarter right. lead in both of those games and they were mm-hmm. atrocious all game on the offensive side of the football. That's all I'm saying. So like, if they figure it out a little bit on offense, you have a top 10, 15 defense in the country. And the question still is, can the offensive line figure it out? I don't honestly see signs of them doing that. I really don't. I don't know if the offensive line has been figured out all year because they still haven't found a consistent rotation, like I said. And if you don't know who's playing and where they're playing heading into the the week, like that's – and it's not injuries. It's just they don't know who's playing where on this line. Uh, And obviously Mertz – hey, listen. If the offensive line is this bad, but Mertz somehow – can take whatever that was at the end of the second quarter against Michigan. Cause I don't know what I was watching. It was like watching a different person. It really was. It was unbelievable. I mean, he made two ridiculous throws that I don't know if many quarterbacks in the country can make. I really don't like this. The first one to DK was crazy. Uh, to Mary DK, uh, Wisconsin wide receiver. So listen, if Mertz can somehow find any of that, Wisconsin's going to be okay. in most of the games they have left on the schedule, had they shown me anything to say they can beat an Iowa? No. Because I don't know how Wisconsin's offense is going to score enough points. Listen, I was going to score 17 points, but that's going to be enough. I, I really don't see without a wild defensive touchdown, without a bunch of turnovers for Iowa, that is. Yeah. I don't see how Wisconsin wins that game. Every other game on the schedule, I don't really see where Wisconsin loses again, to be honest. Nebraska is good, but I don't see them coming in and beating Wisconsin at home. Uh, I, they're not losing to Illinois. Again, they're not losing to Army. Purdue on the road is not easy. Maryland, uh, uh, they avoid, which is good, I think, because I think Maryland's the kind of team that could could scare Wisconsin. But 
listen, that Rutgers isn't easy. I mean, they, they, they had a really, really solid showing in that second half against Michigan. I know Ohio State did what Ohio State does last week. But I guess I don't see many losable games on the schedule. At the same time, I don't really see at this point how this Wisconsin team is going to put together four quarters and beat Iowa offensively. Right, yeah. I, I mean, I guess that's like the, the big thing, a big point I'm trying to make here is to, to just like that was the goal, start of the season, was to do that. And it, it seems like right now not only is this team not playing well, but the path to getting to that place by the end of the season just – it doesn't seem to be as clear as it maybe had been in previous years or with other teams where obviously everyone has struggles to start the season, but we'll have plenty of time to talk football. Again, we're talking basketball here with Asher on the show today. Big 10 TV schedules came out. It doesn't really shake up all that much as far as like what's actually going to happen. But of course it gives us a chance to talk about the favorite matchups that we'll see this winter. We'll talk about it here with Asher in just a sec. You're listening into Locked On Big Ten. BetOnline.ag is back and better than ever for football season. BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. But with a new updated site and interface and even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be your number one source for everything football. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Again, use our promo code LOCKEDON for a 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit over at BetOnline. Go take a look at their new look and all the new things they have to offer for your betting needs. It's BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back into Locked On Big Ten. Everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single weekday. Along with our Wednesday co-host and the host of Locked On Badgers, Asher Lowe. Be sure to follow wherever you're listening to the podcast right now. I'm Nate Dickinson. We're talking basketball today. Taking a step away from the football just for a day. It's a big week in football. We're going to get to all of it on Thursday and Friday. Don't worry about that. But we do have news in basketball to get to. And an excuse to talk about what will be coming up here this winter in as always, an exciting season of Big Ten play. Our, we, or our uh, Big Ten TV schedules are out, Asher. We know what time and on what channels teams are going to be playing on. We already knew kind of all the schedules, and we're now starting to learn like when all this is going to go down. I want to start by talking about something that Big Ten has done for a few years now. I don't know really like when it started, but they've had this section of games like a month before the conference schedule starts where – Teams will get like one or two conference games in over the course of like a two-week period here. It's in like the first week of December. And you have these chances for teams to kind of get like a litmus test of, all right, where are we stacking up against Big Ten competition? Whether it's top of the top or bottom of the bottom, you're still facing off against a conference team. People value that differently than anything else in a college basketball season. What do you take away from that? one week because as they've happened i've heard people say well we can't judge things this early i feel like that's the general consensus whenever things are going wrong with the team early on in the season they have one of those matchups but i i'm at the same time in a camp where i want to take away things from these early games and i feel like you really can learn a lot about teams when we get to these matchups in early december what are you going to be, I guess, valuing those results as whenever they come out as like a, a first kind of look at where teams are at? 
Well, I think December's late enough where if a team has shown me something the first month of the season against lesser competition, which most of these teams will be playing teams they should beat, then if they do that same thing in December, whether it be an issue, whether it be a positive, I'll probably believe them. Uh, and, and it's pretty rare to have a college basketball team make a deep, deep run. It happens. It happened last year with UCLA, actually. But it's pretty rare to have a college basketball team make a deep, deep run in the NCAA tournament, even win the NCAA tournament, and have a long stretch of struggle like or, or some significant issues you can already see in December. That, that's usually a telltale sign if you're seeing a, a significant issue in December, whether it be uh, like Iowa, okay? Iowa last year. Take them as an example for this test case, right? Uh -huh. You could see in December. You could see in November non-conference games. Iowa could not defend well enough to win the NCAA tournament. In fact, I didn't think Iowa could defend well enough to get to the second weekend. And they got a bad draw. They got Oregon. That's not a team that they should be playing in the second round, to be honest. That's a better, that's right. better than a seven seed. But they still lost that game because they couldn't get stops. And you could see that all the way back in December when Big Ten play started. You could see it all the way through the season. So I think that if you see a consistent theme building in November and then into December in those early non-conference games, that usually sticks pretty well. And if it's something as serious as giving up, you know, a ton of transition buckets, not getting back on defense, having to go zone to protect your uh, stars on defense, having to go five in, five out, which Fran McCaffrey was doing at the end of games last year, if you remember that, to go defense offense. He was literally subbing in five different guys on defense, five different guys on offense at every dead ball. Then it's probably a telltale sign that you aren't going to be very good at defense in March. That stuff usually doesn't change in huge ways. Although teams do absolutely get better from December to March, if you have a serious problem, a red flag you can see in December, it will probably stick with you. Yeah, I think I'm in the same kind of boat where like it's as far as like individual results, like we, we talk about where like, I guess, say we're in like selection Sunday. If we had like, they did the same thing pretty much in 2019 and 20. So I went back and looked at the scores from like that week of games, like a Minnesota beat Ohio State by 13. Rutgers beat Wisconsin by seven. You might remember that game. Um what, there was another one out there that was just weird too. But the, the point is like teams lose. I don't think the winning and losing is the point. Like if you're in Ohio state trying to make a tournament argument of some sort as to where you should be, you can argue that, yeah, that game in December against Minnesota was fluky, but at the same time, Ohio state had other problems with it. That was part of the reason why it lost that big to Minnesota. I, I feel like we're on the same page. You can't take maybe like the winner or the loss as a face value kind of thing but if there's something wrong with your team you're going to be able to see it when that game ends up happening in big 10 play and i think it just serves as kind of that again perfect test whether you're playing a really good big 10 team or a bottom of the barrel big 10 team it's still big 10 basketball it's still that level that you're looking at throughout the entire non-conference schedule as to what you're trying to compare yourself to i think it's more valuable than what people think i think it's like when we get into it and uh, honestly we'll probably do the same thing as it's happening in december but just because it's one of the three four games in that month or two maybe for some of these teams that are actually really significant we may start to like look into it too much or say we're looking into it too much i feel like you should be looking into what you're doing in this game and as you said especially looking for if there are any major problems that's the biggest thing trying to figure out by december can this team 
improve on what it needs to to the point where like it can still compete are the holes small enough maybe right right especially i think that especially applies for the few teams we think have a chance to win it all in the big 10 yep. which i would say there are two maybe three uh this year but for those teams specifically for your purdue's for your michigan's where you want to make a final four run where that is not necessarily the goal but honestly the expectation i think for those fan bases this year is to make a deep run in the ncaa tournament that's that's really where the microscope is on because and, and that's where iowa was last year too right I, yeah, so yeah. uh it, definitely those two or three teams that have a shot a legitimate shot at making a deep run and there could always be one that sneaks in and and gets hot at the right time and wins four games but it's very rare that those teams that get hot late actually win at all it happens sometimes and usually it happens behind an, a generational talent uh, a kemba walker a shabazz yeah, napier yeah. but it doesn't happen often uh usually it is it is the strong teams that prevail in the ncaa tournament even how crazy it always ends up being usually the baylors and gonzagas are there at the end if we use last year as an example uh but yeah, I think the microscope will be on for Purdue, for Michigan, for sure. Uh, even for Illinois with Kofi back, uh, with Curbelo taking a lead role, who I can't wait to watch. Uh, I'm definitely going to be keying in on the contenders first in December. Well, I mean, hey, with the way the Big Ten operates, this is a conference that, I mean, football, basketball, all of it, the goal of the conference is to set up a team that's ready to win a national championship. I mean, we don't have to talk about how long it's been since the Big Ten has done that on the basketball court. So it's obviously imperative to get these teams ready. It's strategic. Set up one of these games early. Be able to get a look at, all right, where are the holes in this program? It's why we do the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Sorry, Big Ten ACC Challenge, as we'll always call it on this podcast, I guess. Uh, it's why we schedule this one week of Big Ten games early in the season. It's so that over the course of the season, as you mentioned, the Big Ten is going to have its two or three teams that are going to be in a position to get through this tournament, whether they're good enough or just because of the pedigree, they're going to have the path. If they're going to be on the road to there at the end, they have to have an entire season-long plan. It's not like you're experimenting and trying to figure things out as you go. From November to the beginning of April, these two, three teams, whoever you think they're going to be, honestly, because you could argue for a few different cases, those teams are, are planning this all out and trying to build. All right, we're starting here. We're going to try and figure out what the small things we need to work on are here at the beginning, attack them right away. And then having that one game is part of it. I mean, I, I think it's just a look into the head of how like the people who really set up the Big Ten work because they've shown the big 10 has shown to give it credit in one area that it knows how to create a resume of a national champion you, you can critique the actual execution on the court or field however you want and how the big 10 is compared to other conferences in these sports but you cannot in any way critique that the big 10 knows how to make a team look like a contender and obviously in college sports more than any that matters a lot yeah, it does, especially when you have random people, not random, <laughs> but a bunch of people in a, at a desk picking who gets to go where mm -hmm. uh, in both in both football and basketball. So, yeah, right. Now, I mean, let's move on to actual individual games. Uh, looking at the 
again, reason for us to bring this up here today, the TV schedule. Uh, just a quick look at the first games on national broadcasts. First broadcast on Fox will be Illinois traveling to Iowa December 6th. Iowa has a really, really tough matchup. Uh, Big Ten Network's first game will be Iowa on the road against Purdue December 3rd, three days before. So, I, yeah, I know. And Iowa's like, I, obviously, Iowa was good last year, but they're not supposed to be anything special this season. For some reason, people think that people are going to want to watch them, in my opinion, get beat up by a couple of really good teams. But anyway, uh, other initial games, ESPN has Illinois Rutgers as a December 3rd matchup. Uh, CBS doesn't have a Big Ten game until Indiana against Michigan in the end of January. But those are just some of the debuts. We Again, that's why we have a reason to talk about it, Asher. But I, I really just want to talk about kind of these basketball teams and get an update on everyone again. But are, are there particular matchups as we go into this conference schedule that you're looking at, because we talked about before you, you were smart enough to note that everyone plays each other in the big 10. So eventually we'll get around to everyone seeing everyone, but you said you had a couple of games before in the non-conference that uh, you thought were just honestly really good and going to be telling for teams or just, I, I don't know where are you at? Yeah. So you have, first of all, the big 10 ACC challenge, which we haven't yet released actual start times or TV schedules for, uh, but I, that should come very soon. The dates are out, the matchups are out. And right off the bat, uh, there are a lot of fun ones, but I'm going to go to Michigan and North Carolina. This North Carolina team's not going to be great, but they're going to be better than they were a year ago. It's an interesting year for Caleb Love, who is a really, really highly ranked guard coming into North Carolina, a five-star guy, a guy that tore it up on the high school circuit, the EYBL circuit, a guy that was just – full of potential coming in North Carolina. And then he gets there and he shoots 12% from three. So that number is probably not going to last. Uh, there's only one place to go for him in terms of perimeter shooting. It's up. He's going to be a really good player this year. I think he's going to have a solid year. Wisconsin did a pretty good job against him last year in the NCAA tournament when they met in round one. But I think that uh, he's going to elevate North Carolina this year. And obviously no Roy Williams uh, as Davis takes over the program. So Michigan comes in with Caleb Houston, who I cannot wait to watch. Canadian five-star, looked really good at FIBA U19s. He's going to be the freshman of, of the year in the Big Ten. I, I have almost no doubts about that. He's going to be the best freshman in this conference. You have Hunter Dickinson returning. Does he return with the right hand? That'll be the thing to watch right away. Uh, can he turn over both shoulders? Can he actually finish with the right? Does he even trust his right hand? So there are a lot of early questions for Michigan, but they're set up to be, and they lose a lot. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they, they right. lose a ton. Franz Wagner is a massive loss. Livers is a massive loss. Uh, even, even a guy like Mike Smith is a massive loss. Uh, but uh, they have the talent to once again be at the top of the conference, the talent to once again be uh, making a, a deep run in March, Elite Eight run last year. I think Final Four is definitely the goal for Juwan Howard this year. At North Carolina, doesn't matter how good the Tar Heels are, that's a really tough place to play. That'll be their first really tough road environment of the season. And it's always interesting to see how young teams respond to those road environments. So definitely watching for that December 1st, Michigan at North Carolina match. All right, college football fanatics. Prize Picks is your newest and best source for daily college fantasy sports. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone. 
And it also offers all the star players of the Power Five as well as mid-major players as well. It's a unique new kind of way to play daily fantasy sports. And whenever any of those pop up, it's something I always want to at least try out. And you can try it out too. In fact, if you use our promo code LOCKED, on when you go over you can get a 100% instant match on your first deposit up to $100 so it'll get you some free money to play with to try out this new way to do fantasy sports the way it works you pick college players or other sports players and props on their individual over-unders like two to five put them in together on a parlay end up multiplying your money by huge margins. You can see more how it works again at prizepicks.com or download the app today. Again, when you make your account promo code locked on to be able to get that match when you end up depositing. Built Bar has been a sponsor here at Locked On for a while. You already know all about their products. A new flavor out this week, Cookie Dough Chunk. It's one, I mean, it just sounds good. It's one of those that just sounds really nice. Some of them Honestly, you have to sell. I'm not a huge fan of something like a coconut almond or salted caramel. Maybe that's up your alley. It's not mine. I feel like cookie dough chunk is something that just about everyone can get behind. So if you're a fan of Built Bar, you're going to want to try out this new flavor. If you haven't tried them out, now's the time to get in. Again, you're just getting cookie dough and chocolate in a protein bar. That's really good for you too. Head on over to BuiltBar.com and if you do end up making an order, you can use our promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. That's LOCKED15 over at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar is your place to go for all of your protein and energy needs while also making sure you're staying healthy. Hey, Nate Dickinson back here on Locked On Big Ten. Let's finish up now with Asher. He was in the middle of talking about matchups in the ACC Big Ten Challenge that he's interested in seeing. The other uh, is is a bit more niche, but I can't wait. St. John's at Indiana. This is going to be fascinating because St. John's and Indiana are two teams I'm really high on coming into the year. This game takes place in Bloomington at Assembly Hall. So you talk about uh, teams going into their first tough road test. Uh, I haven't checked St. John's non-conference before this, so I don't want to just come out and flat out say this is their first tough road test, but it's like the second week of the season, so I'm assuming it is. And it doesn't get much tougher than Assembly Hall, to be perfectly honest, uh, in or out of the conference. That's a really tough place to play. But, man, St. John's and 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 what I expect Mike Woodson to do uh, at Indiana, you, you have two extremely contrasting styles. I think Mike Woodson will anchor in defense, anchor – in that slower tempo and you have St. John's who plays well as fast as anybody in the country. They want to force turnovers. They want to create havoc. And the way Mike Anderson has always coached is to play fast. And then if you're not playing fast enough, or sorry, if you're playing as fast as you possibly can, you should go faster uh, and then faster and faster and faster. They also have NBA talent. Uh, they have a guy who's probably my favorite player to watch in the country, maybe literally coming back this year, Julian Champagny, uh, who's uh, a pure scorer can literally get, 25 30 uh, on any given night he's smooth uh, i don't know who indiana is going to exactly put on him but then you have on the other side trace jackson davis coming back as as the best player in the big 10 that returns and returns alongside miller cop from northwestern who i think is a huge get for this indiana team i think it, the hoosiers are going to be a lot better than people think i think it's an interesting year to watch christian lander uh, a five-star who really didn't show much and yeah he was i think 17 18 last year really young could have still been in high school last year, but, you know, looked physically not really ready for the Big Ten. How does he, and the talent was there in high school, but how does he adjust after a year? 
uh, and high expectations coming in that he really didn't live up to. So excited to watch the remade Indiana roster, uh, a little bit remade. We know Miller Cop in there, I think, is, is a huge addition. But you bring back Grace Thompson, you bring back Trace Jackson Davis, you bring back uh, Rob Finnessy. I think this is a really good Indiana team. I think it's a team that will be a second weekend tournament team that not a lot of people are talking about. St. John's is a great contrast of styles to watch with them. Can't wait to see that game November 17th. And it's on FS1. Yeah, it's going to be a good one and a lot of information there to take in on some Big Ten teams. And again, some quality opponents coming into face. And Asher, I guess, again, every Big Ten team is going to see each other at some point. So we won't get into like matchups and what you're looking for there. But I, I guess what's one kind of game that if you looked at it last year, maybe you might say that Illinois-Michigan game was a game where like you really learned a lot about where each team was as far as wherever everything was in the Big Ten, as where everyone stood, really. Is there one game where you're, or one pair of teams where you're sitting here being like, I need to see these two teams play each other to get a real idea of where exactly things stand in the Big Ten this season? Yeah, it's 100% going to be Purdue and Michigan. I got to see those two teams play each other because I think that we are in a situation that we weren't totally in last year, but we kind of were as well coming into the year where we had a, a top two or three and we were like, there's this tier and then everyone's below them. Right. Uh, last year was more of like a top four, but Wisconsin just didn't live up to expectations. And I, I don't think they should have been there to begin with, to be perfectly honest. Mm. But uh, this year, I think it's a pretty clear top two. I really do coming into the year. And I think it'll actually stay that way, but I'll probably be wrong about that. I do think it'll actually stay that way though. Uh, Purdue and Michigan are the top two coming into the year. Jaden Ivy is the most interesting returner in college basketball from freshman to sophomore year. I think the leap could be massive. And I think he showed us some of it at FIBA U19s. He played alongside Johnny Davis. He played alongside a bunch of really talented college players. He played uh, against Caleb Houston. Michigan's top recruit in this class. So Ivy and Houston both look really good on the FIBA stage. I think that Ivy's going to be a much better offensive player than we saw a year ago. And hey, we saw really good flashes from him a year ago. He hit a game winner. Uh, he was taking over the NCAA tournament game, trying to save Purdue's season against North Texas. But you also get Trebion Williams back, a guy with a ton of experience in this conference. You get Sasha Stefanovic back. You get Eric Hunter Jr. back. They return literally their entire core. You get, uh, I mean, you get a, a, a seven four monster in Zach Eady. I think he's seven two, but he looks like yeah. he's seven four. Uh, but Zach Eady returns. Uh, I don't know if he's going to come off the bench. I don't know if he's going to start. He's probably going to come off the bench again and play those kind of spot minutes. But man, he had some really good spot minutes against uh, Wisconsin watching last year at Mackey Arena. And they don't lose much at Mackey, uh, to be honest. So if Jaden Ivey breaks out and becomes one of college basketball's absolute superstars, which I really think is possible this year, this Purdue team is national championship level good. On the flip side, you have a Michigan team where you bring back Hunter Dickinson, right? We've seen what he can do. You bring back Eli Brooks, who was an absolute X factor last year. Didn't always get the love. Probably was like the sixth or seventh name you mentioned when you talked about Michigan's surprising success last year. But it, he holds them together. He's a, he's a glue guy. It's a, it's, a, it's a cliche term, but he is uh, on both ends. He's a glue guy. And he, he's a guy that Juwan Howard knows what he's going to get from every single night. Uh, and that'll be important. Like I talked about Caleb Houston already. Uh, a guy that can come in and, and be a, a do-it-all scorer, positionless, 6'8 wing, uh, can create for others, 
uh, better shooter than I think people know uh, coming in. I think he's uh, going to have great scoring outputs as, as time goes on for him. I think he's going to have a couple 20, 25 point games in conference play. So I'm excited to watch him uh, develop. I'm excited to watch him uh, paired with Hunter Dickinson and they lose a lot, but they also get Devonte Jones, who is yet another six foot one point guard kind of in that Mike Smith mold. He tore up the Sun Belt last year. You remember Mike Smith tore up the Ivy league before coming to Michigan. Uh, Jones tore up the Sun Belt averaged 19 points a game in that conference. And does it translate to the big 10? Yes, it does. People, if you, if you score 19 points a game, in the Sun Belt, if you score 19 points a game, or Mike Smith was at like 21, 22 in the Ivy League, it absolutely translates. We just saw it uh, with Smith last year coming in and being the engine that made Michigan go at the point guard position. So those two teams at the top, and I think it's absolutely clear, and I think they are a tier above everybody else. Can't wait to watch them play each other. Well, uh, I mean, then that second tier is always crowded in the Big Ten, it's a whole bunch of different teams, and it ends up, of course, being and overflowing into just really the amount of teams that you can allow into a field of 68. I mean, I don't really want to get into bracketology at this point, but do you feel like there's any teams in that second tier that have the best chance of trying to jump into the conversation with a Michigan or a Purdue based on just the potential that's there, the ceiling. I do. I think Maryland will be that team. Oh. I think they are a really interesting collection of players. And be, the reason I'm not putting them at that clear, even number three in the conference yet is because their main contributors this year, we just haven't seen play with each other. We also haven't seen them play from our Turgeon. They're their best two players. Uh, Eric Ayala, I guess could be argued as, as one of their best two players, but I think their best two players are going to be Fats Russell and Kudish Wahab, who are absolute opposites in every way. One's a 5'11 guard that you see a lot in college basketball, right? These dynamic small guards that can fill it up, aren't the most efficient scorers in the world because they take a lot of tough shots, but mm. dynamic, right? Fast, great shooter, uh, can get in the lane, a lot of paint touches with him. And you pair that with a Kudish Wahab, who for some reason left Georgetown and I haven't looked into exactly why he did, but I don't know why he wouldn't want to play for Patrick Ewing. He's a six eleven big who had, you know, just kind of that, that, that rawness about his game last year was so good with his feet uh, in terms of just natural ability, not saying he had great footwork yet, but like his feet were soft, his hands were good. He just didn't quite put it all together last year yet. He still had some really, really impressive games. Uh, he could be really, really good. Like he could be, uh, a back-to-the-basket dominant score uh, in his college career. And he's still only a junior, has two years left. So I'm excited to watch him paired with Fats Russell, two guys that were at different places last year, one from Rhode Island, one from Georgetown. They come to Maryland, and now alongside Dante Scott, who had some good moments last year, alongside Eric Ayala, uh, man, I losing Aaron Wiggins is tough. The timing, obviously, of, of him moving on uh, and and – and taking the next step in his career. Uh, and then, um, oh, I'm blanking. What's the, uh, who did they lose? Who did they lose? Who transferred? I'm blanking. Uh, I'll, get, I'll get the oh, name for you. Um, but, uh, yeah, go ahead. But uh, those two guys uh, in Fats Russell and Kudish Wahab are, are the engine, uh, are, are the team, honestly, in, in my opinion, in terms of what could take them from the middle tier to the top tier. And they're two guys that come in with college experience at high levels. 
Fats Russell's played in the NCAA tournament. Fats Russell has played against Oregon in the NCAA tournament. Like he's been there and done that in college basketball. He's nothing left to prove. Uh, but those two guys are the key. Can't wait to watch them. Uh, and Mark Turchin can coach, man. Like I think we saw it last year. Do you know how hard he had those guys playing last year? Like how how much energy they had on the bench. Uh, how just how hard they fought in every single game they played with lesser talent. I, I honestly think than most Big Ten teams a year ago. Mm -hmm. yeah well it's going to be an exciting just all-around basketball season asher low with looking to just a few of the teams honestly on that big 10 slate who are going to be fighting for position throughout the entire year but i mean we know already asher that anyone could beat anyone on the big 10 schedule i mean other conferences say that big 10 obviously does it uh daryl morsell is who i was trying to think oh, okay of. For some reason could not remember his name <laughs> But, man, I should not forget him because he was uh, the defensive, really the defensive lockdown piece that Maryland had. Like, if, if you wanted to stop, you put Darren Morsell on that guard, on that wing, and Darren Morsell would be the guy to get you that start, or that stop, sorry. He transferred to Marquette to play with Shaka. He's coming to the state of Wisconsin. Man, that's a huge loss because if you added Darren Morsell to the Fats Russell Wahab Ayala mix, all of a sudden I think you're talking about the clear third best team in the conference. But – as of right now, I can't put them ahead of an Ohio State necessarily, ahead of an Illinois with Kofi back. So we'll see who, who rises up from that middle tier. But of those three, right, we're talking about Maryland, Illinois, and Ohio State, I think Maryland has the highest ceiling, which I don't think many people think that, but I do think Maryland has the highest ceiling of the three. A good way to tie up that loose end, to tie up things here on the show on a Wednesday. Asher Lowe is the host of Locked on Badgers every single weekday, along with Ben Kenny. But that's not all you're doing, of course, Asher. Remind everyone where they can get to all your stuff in between when you're with us here on Wednesdays. Yeah, BadgersWire.com for all the Wisconsin coverage and uh, NBA Wires with USA Today talking uh, the NBA at large. He does a whole lot of different stuff. Of course, you, you can follow all of it at, at a low underscore 33. It's Asher Lowe with us every single Wednesday on Locked On Big Ten. I'll be back to wrap things up here in just a minute. I'm Nate Dickinson here with Locked On.